0: Welcome to the Awakened Collective, where we explore the topics of love, spiritual consciousness, and our divine purpose on this planet. Join us as we uncover the truth that our thoughts shape our reality. Welcome to the Awaken Collective. I'm Rick Gregory, and a special thank you to Audio Alchemy Productions and Danny Anderson. Thanks for having us. We're really glad you're here. I'm excited to be here this morning with a special guest, but first, I want to thank you all for joining me and remind you that you are the divine source of your loving creator on this planet, that you have never been separated from your creator, and we have never been separated from one another. We are connected at the source. I have a special guest this morning. My very dear friend, Pam Walsh is here with us this morning. Speaking of being connected, Pam is someone who, how do I put this? I moved here from Massachusetts here to Jackson, Mississippi a little over 11 years ago. I came here broken in the height of alcoholism, after having lost my husband to an accidental overdose to prescribe pain medication, moved away from family in Massachusetts for my job and um, really felt lost. You know, when you move from a very liberal state to a conservative state, I didn't know if I would be accepted anywhere. I remember going online and looking for churches, and I came across this church called Safe Harbor, that stated that they were open and affirming that I could be myself there. And I remember the first time I went to visit, I went to the wrong place. It was where the church used to uh, join or gather, and it was in Jackson somewhere. And I remember getting out of my car and looking at this building thinking, oh, my goodness, I don't know if I can go to this place. It was all overgrown, and I saw some broken windows, and I just didn't know what I was looking at. But it was the wrong place. And I found them in Flowood, and I'll I'll never forget my first night, walking in, the peace that I felt, um, walking in and seeing all these kind faces, and then meeting Pam, and hearing a message that was like water to my soul. I felt like I was home, I had community, support, um, but that connection that I believe we all have, at that time in my life I didn't realize that we were all connected, but I knew at that moment that I felt a connection with this wonderful woman. Um, There was something about her. I felt like we had known each other for years, even before we had our first get-together and discussion. Um, But like I've said about Brian, when Brian was here visiting with me, I just saw all these people around Pam and wondered, you know, if I would ever get the time to be friends with her because she had so many friends already. And I am blessed to have her here with us today. So... Welcome Pam.
1: Thank you so much.
0: And I would like to open up with um, you just telling us a little bit about yourself, whatever you want to share about who you are, maybe what you have discovered and maybe are still evolving to discover what your purpose is on this planet, some of your experience, what you do, whatever comes to mind.
1: Okay. So I grew up in Mississippi and my Parents were very involved in the Baptist church, and uh, we were there every time the doors were open. Dad was a deacon. My parents were Sunday school teachers. I loved it. Um, I was all about it, and I learned from my mom was a very strict disciplinarian. Um, I would say almost to the point of being abusive, but I learned at a very young age be very perfect, um, get it right. I was the oldest of four siblings, make sure they get it right, shield them, take care of them, nurture them, um, and you're going to be okay. Well, when I was a senior in high school, I um, started thinking some gay thoughts, and I squished them down, because I was like, that's wrong, that'll send me straight to hell, I cannot ever do that. Plus, it messed up my perfection that I had going on. Um, (laughs) I remember uh, then I went to Mississippi College to nursing school, and um, those gay thoughts, I started meeting gay people, and I was like, that's their thing, but I am not gay. And I finally met a girl when I was a senior at Mississippi College, and I acted on, for the first time, uh, my feelings, and it wrecked my mind, it wrecked my world, because this perfect person that I had molded myself to be was a fake and um, I finally graduated we went our separate ways and um, about a year after I became a nurse I tried to kill myself because I felt like I can't I can't be what I'm supposed to be and I don't want to be this and so um, I was in the mental institution for about um, a month and in that time I did a lot of work I look back on the work now and I think it was fake work Um, I came to the conclusion that to live I needed to never act on that again and try to be normal Um, perfect Uh, so I got out and about a year later I started dating a guy we went on our first date and I said look I think I'm gay but I don't want to be gay, and I don't want to act on that. I think it's wrong, And but if you want to date me, let's do it. And so he had had a past, and so we just, we dated, and we got married, and we were married for six years, and we had a good marriage. Um, we had a daughter, but late in that marriage, I uh, f- fell in love with a girl at the church we were going to. Uh, Wayne and I were very active in our church, too, there. It was all about the church and looking perfect, and we were there every time the doors were open. And um, It's so weird to say I fell in love and got a divorce. That's one sentence, but my God, did it wreck my world. And my whole friend, I lost my home, I lost my friends, I lost my church family. I mean, I was shunned, and... Um, I remember thinking, "Well, I've got my car and my baby girl." and I went and lived in a duplex and kept my job, but I was felt like I was losing ground again, but you know kids will keep you going. Yep. And um, anyway, I just decided, you know it's, it's um figure this out or or not. So I started gathering up books and had them all over the living room for about a year. It was there were constantly books and notebooks and, and studying those six scriptures that are always used against homosexuals uh, in the Bible and, and why they were written and who wrote them and how they were translated and what did this mean at the time and um, about a year into that, I'll never forget one morning, I remember where I was sitting, the light in the room and I just it just hit me. God loves me. He loves me. I don't have to be perfect. I don't have to be anything. He loves me just like I am. He made me this way. And God loves the gays. I was just <laughs> waiting. I was like, this is so cool. And I, because I had done my research, I knew why I believed that. And it it it, it felt so good. And then, and then that led to Um, the starting of Safe Harbor Family Church and, um, some seminary classes. And I was just going to be a pinch hitter until we could find a preacher. And I stayed, uh, I continued to work as an oncology nurse for all those years. And I was the pastor at Safe Harbor Family Church for 17 years. And I must say it was, um, both my jobs. Um, I feel so humbled to have been a part of both of them. Um. But it was during my time at Safe Harbor that I began to hear the the term sacred contract. And uh, Carolyn Mace, I love her writings, um, that perhaps this was not all some kind of big punishment and trying to figure all this out. this was perhaps meant to be this way and that maybe I was part of that decision making to be born where i was and how in this situation that i was in and to have to go through so much to learn that god loved me um and it became a feeling of every time i would get up to preach or every person that would make an appointment with me that didn't feel that god loved them because nobody else in their family did or none of their other friends did to to help somebody find that god loved them i knew that I was exactly where I was supposed to be, exactly where I was supposed to be, and I came to see relationships as assignments. I call them divine assignments. It'd be like, well, this one's aggravating as heck, but you know what? <laughs> I'm learning a lot. Or this one has really enriched my life. That each person that the 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 concept that each person that comes into our life is there for an exact reason as we are and as we come into their life. I've thought a lot about, through the years since this awakening, I called it for myself, a lot about the Shakespeare saying, you know, the world is a stage, and all the men and women are but actors in a play, and they have their exit, and they have their entrance. It's a kind of a cool way to see that we are all connected in this way, and um, to find our divine purpose is quite the process.
0: You know, that's the first time I've heard the, that amount of detail of your story. And it, now I get it. It's like I know why I felt that immediate connection. You know, when I met my wife and told her before we were married that I knew that I was more attracted to men than women, but I did not want to be that way. You know, I, when you just shared that, I did not want to be gay. I did not like that. I wanted to be that perfect person. Um, and I just, you know, we th- thought God would fix me, just as I'm sure you did. Mm-hmm. But I'm wondering about all the, all the people. I mean, I, we've had decades of experience in churches. I have never, in, other than in Safe Harbor, and I'm sure it happens in other churches, but the ones that I have been in, I have not seen real people people being able to share what they're struggling with because of fear that they will be judged, fear that they're missing the mark somehow or not following the direction they're given, people that are holding on like you and I did, knowing in our core, because you would not I don't think we would have experienced that relief of recognizing that God loves us the way we are if it were not already in there. And so I think it, it's always been in there, but we carry around what we're told as truth, even though it's diametrically opposed to what we know as truth. And then we wonder why we live in that amount of anxiety and angst. And uh, I just I because ha- I had that same experience of recognizing that I am
1: perfectly made. I wanted more than anything to be normal. Okay? I want it to be what society sees as normal. And I think that's how that uh, what you're talking about in the church is what we don't see sometimes. Society tells us what normal is and everybody just wants to be normal. We don't want to be an outsider. We don't want to be a misfit. We just want to fit. And I think that keeps us so many of us from being honest.
0: Just wanting to belong. You know, And that goes to the normal what is normal right you know and we all have concepts everything is all concepts of what this word means and we're trying to live up to something that we don't even know what it is right it's just it's craziness so you touched on your um oncology career Mm -hmm. tell us about that what led you to it what you what are your what have you learned in those places
1: it's interesting. I've been an oncology nurse giving chemotherapy to cancer patients for about 42 years. Wow. Um, and I did not choose that. I had, had a scholarship where they paid, uh, a hospital paid for me to go to Mississippi College. And um, I had to go to the, the floor that they didn't have any help. And so they sent me to oncology and I said, I want off of there as soon as y'all can get me out of there. I, I do not want to do cancer. It's interesting. That was probably decided ahead of time, <laughs> <today>. <laughs> yeah. but um, they sent me to an oncology unit, and they finally got me. They they said, "After about a month, we've got a place for you where you want to go." And I said, "You know, I've changed my mind. I like this." And so I ended up working there for about three years. But I was always and then went to outpatient chemotherapy in the rooms of the chemotherapy. When the family member leaves to go get something to eat, or goes back to work, or if they come alone. You will be amazed at the things that I hear. I hear confessions. You say, "Well, why would somebody share that with you?" Well, we get to know each other, but also they're in the deepest um, spiritual and emotional place they've probably ever been, and so it's just it's just wanting to pour out. I hear regrets. I hear, why the hell did I sweat that small stuff? Why did I bother with, why did I do that? I hear a lot of guilt. I hear um, that it's never too late. Um, A lot of patients are bargaining. You know, I've told God, if I can just get through this, I'm going to change this. Pam, I've been thinking about it. I've got to change this, you know, or... Or, you know, and I'm going to work on this relationship or, or, or so many things. And I think if I've learned anything from listening to the confessions or the thoughts of people who um, face their could be death, um, is that there's nothing like the power of right now. And that's really all we any of us have, but we... Trick ourselves into believing, oh, they got cancer. This, that's them. No, it's us. It's all of us, Mm -hmm. and uh, it's been a powerful thing. And yeah, don't sweat the small stuff because it's that's true. It's all small stuff.
0: And I, I, in the middle of a book called "The Power of Now" by Eckhart Tolle,
1: I've read that book.
0: It's just amazing. See, you've always been way ahead of me. No, (laughs) no, No. (laughs) it's an amazing book, and uh, it takes practice. Mm-hmm. but the the benefit of being able to stay in the now, just like we are in the now. Mm-hmm. So people that are uh, facing death and then you have you're working with their families, I would imagine. Yes. I mean, how do you help people through that?
1: You know, I think I can't answer for any nurse but myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I try to be authentic. And real. Um, I try to open a space when I get in a room. I sit in a stool. I lean in. I say, what's going on? Just open a space for not only how do you feel physically, but how are you? And um, that I'm a safe person to share that with. I absolutely feel that I am truly doing what God wants me to do when I have patients say, we prayed today that you would be our nurse, or we—you just don't know what that does uh, for you. I think you do. I think we've talked about that you had that similar experience in a past medical field that you were in, that people wanted you to be there for them. There's something, there's a connection there, um, and that makes me feel like I'm really doing what God wants me to yeah. do. It's
0: who we become, and it seems like that the. the the energy of who we become through trials and darkness and searching, and and none of us have arrived, um, for sure, and don't have all the answers, but I think, and I'm sure you've seen, like you've already touched on, people that may be more accepting of it versus people who fight it, and I'm reminded of a friend of mine who was a church friend of mine, and I was. this was when I was in a Pentecostal church, And I looked up to the, she was an elderly woman, always dressed to the T, hair all done up in bun and all of that, and um, prayed beautifully, and I just, I admired her. And she came had gotten cancer, and um, we wanted to go and spend some time with her in the hospital. She didn't want any visitors. She became very angry, very bitter, believing that she didn't understand why God didn't heal her. I mean... the transformation in her um, was almost frightening to me. I mean, I was only maybe 21, 22 years old to see someone that had gone change so much. Um, I'm just wondering if if you've experienced people that get angry.
1: You know, um, I'm. by the way, I need to say I am retired from Safe Harbor Family Church, yes, but I are. did have about seven years ago my daughter and this all ties together this has helped me to put this together my daughter was very sick within three or four days she had neurological issues she couldn't eat couldn't eat drink feed herself talk walk nothing and had stevens johnson syndrome it was life and death and i was so angry because i was like i have arrived i know my sacred contract i feel like I've done what I can and now are you are you going back on your work are you punishing me because you know why why are you doing this to my daughter my daughter my life my this my, yeah. you know and 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 as she began to get better it took almost a year but she's fine today I'm happy to report but I had to sit down I remember where I was I was in the car because I was hitting that steering wheel um but she was beginning to get a little better but we still weren't great. And I was throwing around the my stuff. And it's like I just felt like God was saying to me, My daughter, I I I gifted you this child. You brought her into this world. But she's mine. I've got my own sacred contract going on with her. I've got my own stuff with her. You're just you were there and you did what you needed to do and you'll continue to be there. But this is this is between Melanie and I. And it was profound. And so you say, well, what does that have to do with the cancer patients? I've, si- I've since that moment when I think of my life or I'm listening to people who are going through something where they're very angry the way I was. Why did you do this to me? Why did you let me get cancer? Why? I have to say, you know, it never was really my life. It never is really your life. It is... God's life and we are here to do what God wants us to do and we will we're not supposed to stay here every person is going to die and the people who have a peace about that it is amazing the difference in their journey as they walk through our doors and when they die then those who walk in pissed off And I understand that's part of grieving is the pissed off stage. But when you stay in that stage and you make it bigger and bigger and bigger, it becomes how you die. And that's sad to watch. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I I read one time that we could trace all fear back to the fear of death. Mm -hmm. So I, I remember doing this little exercise about the what if questions. And I might have mentioned this in a previous podcast, but, you know, someone who was fearing. Uh, the loss of their job, and when they did all the what-ifs. So what if you lose your job? Well, then I won't have money to pay my bills. So what if you don't have money to pay your bills? Well, then it goes on and on and on. I'll be homeless. I'll be living on the street. I'll get sick. And eventually it gets to death. Um, and uh, and those whys lead to the fear of death. And yet, who knows what death is like? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and so we live with fear of something that's because it's unknown um i just i just find that that you know is if we could wrap our arms around that and recognize like you said that we're all going there
1: yeah and you know i still do funerals um for folks and in one a lot of my funeral material i have this whole concept of the whole you know the the baby that's in the womb it's all safe and warm and cuddly and nice and why the heck would it want to be thrust out? You know, in this horrible pushing and thrusting. I, I want it just like this. But, gosh, can't imagine what happens. Just like you can't imagine as a baby what happens when you begin your life. You can't imagine what happens when we die, and how beautiful that probably is.
0: Can you share the story that you shared that one time in church? And I, I mentioned this to you about the. I'm going to say the worm, the worm story that really touched my heart. It's actually not a worm. Oh, it's not? Okay.
1: (laughs) But but I will certainly share it. And it's interesting because um, the story probably has come to mean different things to me over time. But the story is um, there was a a farmer who had an old pond, and there were a lot of um, water bugs out in the pond down under the water, flitting around doing their thing, working, hanging out, having fun. And every once in a while, they'd notice one of the water bugs would get on a, a lily stalk and start moving up and just become disinterested in everything going on down there. And they'd just go up and never come back. And uh, this, really, this really disturbed them. They're like, why, why do they just don't care about us anymore? And where are they going? And what's happening? So they, they talked about it as a group. And they decided that the next person that was on that stalk would come back. And tell them what's happening. And so um, it's kind of funny because the, the, the water bug, it was his idea. He was the next one up on the stalk about two weeks later. And he said, I'm going to come back and I'm going to tell them, I don't know why I feel so inclined to go to this, but I do. And he begins to go up and he comes out of the water and he develops wings and becomes a beautiful dragonfly. And he's flying around. And he's so excited. He's like man this is awesome. And he thinks well i got to go back and tell everybody. And then he realizes nobody is going to get this. Because I'm not even the same person. I'm, I don't even look. I'm not the same water bug. I don't look the same. They won't even know it's me. And How am I going to explain this? And I think at the time when I told that story. I was talking about life and death. But I think. As I went back to review it, to, as you and I've talked about, that can so be applied to the awakening that you and I and a lot of people experience when you begin to see things not as black and white, mm-hmm. but as a lot of beautiful gray. And you can't you can't see it different, and you can't go back. Yeah.
0: It's not about... It's, I love that. It's not about the, that whole duality thing, you know, d- diminishes not good and bad, right and wrong, pretty ugly. I mean, I'll just, that, it's beautifully gray. Yes, <laughs> yes. I love that. And you're right. I mean, there are things that I understand or believe in my heart today, in my knower, um, that I can't just share with everybody. You know, that there are, especially there are folks that I'm close with who I've even said on one of these meetings would consider me a heretic, you know, for what I believe today, but I'm trusting my knower. It's not proven me wrong. It's just shown me the light more and more every day. So yeah. I'm sticking with it. So in our last podcast that you mentioned that you listened to, we were talking about how our thoughts shape our reality. Um, and I had mentioned in the, at the end of the podcast last week about holding on to our seat because I did want to talk about what you've already alluded to, the soul agreement. You called it a sacred contract. Mm-hmm. Is that what you call it? And it's you know hypothetical. It's what if um, that that we had this agreement before we came to this planet um, that we knew what we wanted to accomplish, or God, our Creator, by whatever name you choose to call God, asked us what we wanted to accomplish on this journey or this sojourn on this planet. Um, and by the way, another label that another thing that will probably be putting me in the heretic corner is believing that there's probably been more than one lifetime. Um, (laughs) But on this journey, what do you want to accomplish? Um, And then, okay, well, based on what you want to accomplish, this is how it's all, you know, how we will agree. that This is how it's all going to go down. And because you touched on the experiences that we have that start to make sense, um, that they've led you to where you, you are. And especially the situation with your daughter, when you said, my daughter, my daughter. and But he, God said, no, it's my daughter. Um, I mean, sometimes I say, Who, why would I have asked for this? But when I really sit down and put pen to paper and look at it all, it just starts to make sense. Have you ever done one for yourself like that?
1: Um, well, I will say I have put pen to paper, but I um when i was at Safe harbor by the way i didn't tell anybody maybe like two or three really trusted friends what i believed okay because i didn't want to feel like a heretic out you know mm-hmm. i i was like oh this is really out there but this is what i believe <laughs> yeah. but um what it's interesting because i I've, for years i've gone up to mississippi state university and spoken uh, at a um the uh, the thing about being gay. I don't know how to describe what it is, but it's classes and we go every semester, a panel, that's what it is. And um, so at the end of it, I always say, if I had a pill that I could take that would make me straight, normal, would I take it? Well, I would have for a long, long time. I would have said, give me that pill. I want to be normal, I want to be straight, I want to be, but, I wouldn't take that pill today. And the reason is because of seeing the journey of of how my mind has opened up and how it has changed. And I don't ever want to go back. It's a lot better view where I am. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yes. Think of
0: the I mean the people that we would never be able to meet, help, encourage if we were confined to being someone that we were not brought on this planet to be.
1: And to me with what you were saying, just then more than um, what it is I want to accomplish, I guess I'm constantly seeing it as what is it I want to learn? I guess that's the way I've always seen it, not um, accomplishing, but I'm going to learn this uh, through this accomplishment or disaster or I'm going to learn this and I'm going to you know it's about learning and that's why I think sometimes about coming back if I come back I'm going to learn new things mm-hmm. and instead of being punished for screwing up I'm just going to learn and learn You've and gotten learn gotten that part over yeah yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: I love that and I think you know for me that's what it is too I mean it's learning because as I learn and everything that we learn I have always understood that we can't keep what we don't give away. Mm -hmm. Um, And as we, as we help others, we're actually teaching ourselves and it's solidifying those lessons that we've learned. So in learning, we're helping, you know, we're helping others as well to wake up. Um, So I just, I had, I put this to writing and I wanted to share it with you and get some of your thoughts on it. Um, So I had read a book, I can't remember the author at this point in time, that went through this exercise of, okay, so what if we had this soul agreement or sacred contract? What if we had talked to our creator about what we wanted to accomplish or learn when we're on the earth? Um, so this was what, how my conversation went. So God says, what would you like to accomplish or learn on this journey you're about to undertake? And my response was, I would like to help mankind wake up to what they are while they're on the planet, an extension of divine love, and reconnect to the ultimate joy of walking in spirit that is their birthright, knowing that we are one, all connected, no one excluded, and that all that you have, the entire universe, belongs to all of us. God's response, are you certain this is what you wish to to dedicate this lifetime to? I'm like, yes, I see the need even more clearly now. Well, then this is how it's going to go down. (laughs) I think we'd better have you born into a low middle-class family, one of six children. When you arrive on the planet, you'll not remember your source for a time so that you can have similar experiences to those you will eventually help. You will realize at the age of five that you are of a unique expression. You will be gay. This will equip you with the understanding and compassion for those who don't feel they belong. You will go through a period of self-loathing, isolation and fear you will be bullied ridiculed you will have a gift of musical talent that will be a refuge for you and you will have small group of friends you'll begin to awaken spiritually at the age of 19 but there will be a long road of experiences ahead all of which will equip you to fulfill your purpose what will start in year 19 as an intimate relationship <clears throat> with me will result in years of wandering in the desert of man's religion this too will serve a purpose You will learn of what has entrapped many and help them to awaken to their source. Your planet life will not be easy. There will be those who will be removed from your life so that you won't be dissuaded from your path. But once you endure for a time, you will awaken to your source and lead many out of slumber. I accept that, but what about my parents? Who best to facilitate my life's purpose? You can select Frederick Monroe as your father. He will be a hard worker and provide for you and your family. He too knows that he is gay, but will not evolve to accept that about himself before he leaves the planet. As such, his choices will affect you and others. You will struggle in your relationship with him and find one day that you have made many of the same choices, which will help you to forgive and extend grace to others who simply struggle with the human condition. All along the way, you will be gathering experiences that will help others. And my mother? Marie is your father's wife. She has compassion for all her children. She will be a refuge to you on many occasions. However, she's an alcoholic who will not come to know in this lifetime experience that the love she longs for is within her. She had dreams but did not believe she could pursue them, and chose to learn from following traditional societal example and instruction. She will oftentimes be the central focus of the family and in time you will have empathy and compassion as you too will find yourself in the grips of alcoholism which will lead to your awakening. Your parents' specific chosen mission on this earth is not for you to know at this time. Well, God, isn't it awful that this situation for my parents and their marriage No, they too had a soul agreement for this and dedicated their lifetime to make their children aware that there is a power greater than themselves. They will teach that this power is found by way of religion, but it will instill a spark in each of them to search question and chart their own course to accomplish their chosen mission they will set the example that human life manifests what is held in thought this will prove a vital experience for you on your journey to recognizing that your thoughts shape your reality and will be a key that unlocks prison doors for many i just think that helps me see my life differently
1: i love that no i have not put it that much to pen and paper that's amazing and it resonates with
0: me Mm. just and when things
1: happen like you said
0: you know at least it gives me a little bit of pause Mm -hmm. certainly i still panic (laughs) you know i still freak out get all in my head at times but i can become aware of it more quickly today and and at least ask you know all right god what is this about where does this fit in So I'll have to challenge you to do that Yeah, exercise. I was going to say, I've got to get that, get busy.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I was also, just to back up a little bit, when we were talking about death, um, there's a scripture that always bothered me. And it was um, when Jesus was out, there were people gathering all around him, and um People saying they wanted to follow him. And this one person came and said that he wanted to follow him. And, but just let me go and bury my father first. My father. Do you remember that verse? Yes. And Jesus' response was, let the dead bury their own dead. Yes. I thought when I first read that, that that was probably the most the rudest Rude. thing. Rude. Anything <laughs> that someone could say to someone. Um, but, you know, the funny thing is it's always stayed in my mind and this dec- from decades ago. And as my life unfolds, these things that I struggled with 20, 30 years ago come back up. It's like the universe, God saying, here it is. What do you think about this now that you struggled with? Our brains are amazing things. And um, the way I look at that today is differently. You know, it's as if he was saying, extend grace to those who are still asleep. Extend grace to those who think that this mortal life is all that there is. They, they have not yet awakened to the fact that this isn't all there is. Um, and they see death as finality. So they're, in, they're deeply grieving. Allow them to, to follow that path for now until there comes time when they recognize, like you do, that there is more to this life than that. But extend grace. But you continue to follow the path that I've chosen, that I've called you to at this point in your life, that you continue to seek the truth. Um. And then you know, I thought all of you know the word sin, and again we get back to words. Normal, um, uh, you know, if there is such a thing, uh, sin is being meet, missing the mark. Isn't it just ignorance, not knowing? Uh, like when Jesus was crucified on the cross, and he looked at those who took his life and said, "Father, forgive them." for they know not what they're doing. They're simply following their conditioning. They're doing what they believe is right based on what they were hearing from the government and the religious folks and, and all the people that gathered around them that were saying crucify him. They're just following what they believe, but they're asleep. It's because they're asleep. Extend grace and forgive them. I was asleep, completely asleep, for most of my life. It's only been you know, a short number of years that I'm starting to see. And I have a desire to try to help others to see. It doesn't make me better than anybody else. It doesn't make any of us better or worse. There we go again with duality. It's just, it's a process. I don't know if any of that makes any sense to you at all.
1: Yeah. And I've thought about sin so much, that word. Love, people love that word. (laughs) And they want to make sure their preacher understands their sin, you know. But, um... You know, I've always just for myself said sin is anything that stands between that I let stand between myself and God because as you have said so beautifully, there's nothing between God and me. It's it's here mm-hmm. and and when I'm doing something that just clutters it all up, that's on me and I just want to clear it out. But yeah, sin is an interesting word that gets overused in my opinion. Yeah. But isn't
0: it isn't it awesome that we can recognize that yes. today? Yeah. That we can freeing. recognize those thoughts. I mean, and it's okay. There's no guilt or shame or condemnation that we're having these crazy thoughts that we but we can stop and recognize that we're feeling distant and we realize why we're feeling distant and we can come back to that source. Mm-hmm. I just stayed in that place for years. I thought I couldn't control my thoughts. I thought I wasn't
1: supposed. I didn't know I
0: had control over what I thought.
1: Yeah, it's some great sermon material. (laughs) Get back to work. (laughs) So, anything? Any other thoughts? No, thank you so much for asking me. Oh
0: my goodness, I'm so glad. Love
1: you. you. I I loved you from the very first time I saw you. I felt a connection, like you said, and Mm. I think that. God has a way of, like I said, those assignments, you were a beautiful assignment. You enriched my life.
0: As you did, mine, my, my friend. I love you. love you, too. Another thing with words, you know, the word love. Mm-hmm. We, one, one minute you say, I love pizza, and then you turn to someone and say, I love you. Well, I've experienced. It's an ex- love has to be experienced, mm-hmm. and I experience love for you. you know? mm-hmm. And love is the answer, folks. It has always been and always will be the answer. And when we wake up to that fact, we not only see ourselves change, but the world around us changes when we see through the eyes of love. And speaking of love, I'd love to hear from you. So if you want to reach out, you can send an email to rickgregory at theawakenedcollective.com. You can also go to our website. It's still a work in progress. I think it even says that on there. Um, But it's theawakenedcollective.org. So www.theawakenedcollective.org. It has uh, links to the books I've written. It has links to all the books that I'm currently reading. And I was just talking to Pam earlier about some of them that she's read as well that are really blessing my life. And I'd love for you to check them out. So thank you so much for being with me, Pam. I just loved your story. I could sit and talk to you for hours. Um,
1: You are a gift. Thank you. You You are a gift.
0: And thank you again to Audio Alchemy Productions. Love you too, Danny. I experience love for you, Danny. You are my friend. Until next time, my friends, love and kindness always.